Good evening to our viewers, listening audience, uh, viewing audience. My name is Brother Esquire. First, I want to thank Almighty God for providing us an opportunity to come to you via this technology. And today we're going to have a dynamite, dynamite discussion. This is again, the All Men Are Not Created Equal podcast. And today our subject matter is Black male and female relationships, the science of soul mating. Again, my name is Brother Esquire. You may know me as Brother Jacques, Brother Jacques Mohammed, Brother Jacques X, Attorney Leandre, and for my youth football organization out there, I'm uh, Coach Jacques. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. And I must tell you that what we're gonna discuss today cannot be covered in one session. So ahead of time, we're going to ask our host that in uh, our guest, excuse me, that sometime in the future and hopefully the near future, he could come back for an encore around two, because this is definitely going to be a thriller. And uh, we have with us a man who has been a mentor to myself, uh, uh, author, an uh, entrepreneur, a uh, minister of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan in Indianapolis, Indiana, Moss number 74, uh, a relationship specialist and a, a sought after college lecturer uh, in the high schools, but you can find him in, in the ivy towers of the Ivy League, or you can find him in the hood, in the good hood, in the bad hood, in the between hood, where all people are at teaching and training and we have with us our minister minister nori muhammad who's going to carry the day today and as we talk about relationships as we talk about black and uh black male and female relationships and as we talk about family we have to look at it from in a historical point of view because we didn't just get to the condition that we are in just by happenstance it didn't happen by accident but there was an, an intentional design to get us to where we are right now when it comes to black male female relationships, where we are more uh, competitors as opposed to partners. So I just wanna share as a backdrop, some of the statistics, black women at one point was more likely to be married than white women, 1890, Black women, our beautiful black women, were more likely to be married than white women up until 1970. So this acrimony that we see amongst our black men and black women didn't exist at the level that it exists now. But a lot has happened since then. Our relationships survived post-reconstruction. Our black male-female relationships survived the depression it survived World War One. It survived World War Two, and it survived to a certain degree parts of Jim Crow. Next slide, please, Josh. However, one of the wars that it didn't survive, as you see on this graph, it was hard for black and male, black male and female relationships to survive the war on drugs in 1971, as it was implemented by um, President Nixon, and then we had. Reagan, Bush won, and then we also had 
um, someone that many in our community insidiously refer to as the first black president, President Clinton, what he did with his policies. And as you can see on this, on this graph here, if you superimpose the graph, you'll see that as mass incarceration went up, so did black men over the year, uh, over the age of 35 who were never married. That also spiked. And some of the uh, social scientists will say, well, there's no correlation between the two. However, uh, being a youth football coach and coaching young people, I have eight, nine-year-olds that tell me, well, you know, Coach Jock, I can't make the game today. And I ask why. Well, uh, I have to go upstate, and, and it's going to be an eight-hour trip upstate and an eight-hour trip downstate back to New York, and I'm going to have to miss the game. So the amount of stress that mass incarceration has placed on our children and on our women is incomprehensible. So today we're going to explore some of the history and also look at our present state as black male female relationships are concerned and as well as the future. So with that being said, I'm going to um, ask um, Minister Nori to give some perspective as historically what happened and how did we get to where we are now as far as relationships are concerned. Wow, well, those, those statistics uh, are very uh, sobering and, and bring, bring to light the pathology of what I know is not a word, but the devolution, the de-evolution of the, the family. Um, the most honorable Elijah Muhammad, as you know, Brother Esquire, and some that are on this program he, he taught us that where there are no strong nations, you can't have a strong world. Where there are no strong communities, you can't have a strong nation. And where there are no strong families, you can't have a strong community. And where there are no strong marriages, you can't have a strong family. So marriage becomes the foundational and the fundamental institution that is used by the sociologists to determine the fall or the rise of a nation, tribe, country, dynasty, or group. And when we look at these statistics, they are very uh, alarming. Uh, I like that you all went from the uh, 1880s and 90s up into 1970, but I think we should go just a little bit uh, farther back, because whenever King George III hired Napoleon to go into Africa in 1798 and destroy all of the images of what we would call today black excellence, he went into the temples, he went into the libraries, he went into the mystery schools, he disrupted Timbuktu, the Nile Valley civilization. He disrupted the remains of the city of Atlantis. And one of the last great feats that Napoleon is given credit for is the blowing of the nose and the lips off of the Sphinx, mm. which is at the base of the Great Pyramid Giza 451 feet tall and 451 feet deep, covering 13 and a half acres of land made of 3 million stones of 
granite and gold stacked mathematically precise, weighing two to three tons a piece, not even deviating a square inch. And by the way, we built it without John Deere and Caterpillar, no bulldozers <laughs> or cranes back then. We did it with the power of the mind, but that's another show. <laughs> yes, sir. But one of the things that Napoleon found after he got rid of the images of the black architects, scientists, scholars, messengers, prophets, and the images of black excellence, when he went into that pyramid gizm, he seen that every time he seen the great god of Alafun, his queen Ilida was right by his side. When he seen Osa Aset was right by his side. When he seen Osiris on the wall, Isis was right by his side. So he and his army went in and you can go into the Pyramid Giza right now as a tourist. And every time you see Osiris or Alafun, or every time you see Osa, you will see next to these great black male gods. It looks like somebody has been taking a chisel, scraping away at whatever image used to be next to it. Guess what Napoleon knew then that we have yet to learn now? Not behind, but beside every great black man has always been a great black woman. So they have been working uh, ever since our forefathers were kidnapped and being brought into slavery to turn us from that proud, powerful, productive, and pious people we were before we were kidnapped, robbed of our name, culture, religion, more ways, folk ways, norms, land, and and before we were Caucasianized and Westernized, black men used to love black women and black women loved black men. The black family has always been the power base for black people until we were Caucasianized and Westernized. So it is bad to see those stats from 17 or from 1890 to 1970. But if we wanna get into the real destructive force that broke the black family we have to go back at the time when john harding hawkins and his crew came to africa to break us and make us into slaves and that is what uh the history has proven they started the destruction of the family uh at that point because they knew then like they know now that marriage is the fundamental and foundational institution of nation building. Wow, wow. Thank you for that historical uh, presentation, um, Brother Minister. Uh, but we, uh, we have uh, a lot of our young people today, they're like, okay, that, that may sound good. You know, historically they did that, but I'm here right now in, in this pandemic and COVID and I'm by myself with four walls and I, I need to know how can I, uh, uh, get a spouse, or uh, uh, you know, I, I can't go to the regular uh, places where you know I can find men in this COVID era. Yeah. It leads me to a virtual dating. Um, can you comment well, on that? Well, one thing, one thing you don't want to do, you don't want to let neediness <laughs> be the inspiration for getting into male and female relationships and definitely not into marriage. Marriage is not a quarantine buddy. Marriage is finding a lifelong partner that can help you to achieve 
oneness with the creator, oneness with your purpose in life, and bring out and make manifest the best qualities in you while you're doing the same thing for the person that you are with. So don't let uh, loneliness during quarantine cause you to look around for a mate. Let this loneliness during quarantine cause you to look up to the supreme being and look inside of self and become the kind of mate for the woman that you think you deserve or become that kind of woman for the man you think you deserve. Brother Esquire, every time you go somewhere and you ask somebody, what are they looking for when they're single? They always give some grand image of what kind of man or woman that they're looking for. But when you look at the one that's looking for this grand man or woman, they're not the grand match for that grand man or woman. You, you can't, you, you hear sometimes people say when they see uh, uh, a couple together, they'll, they'll say that, that he or she married well, or that's my better half. Well, the real truth is if you want a Khadija, you got to be a Farrakhan. If you want you a Abraham, then you've got to be a Sarah. Spend your time in quarantine trying to be the match for the man or the woman that you hope to one day marry. Don't spend your time in quarantine searching through eHarmony or match this or <laughs> some odd little Facebook link and some Instagram post. No, come on out, come out of that, work on self and become the match. And I'm going to tell you this, there's a verse in the Holy Quran that says in so many words, God is a matchmaker. Mm. Mm, it's, it's found in the 24th chapter of the Holy Quran, around the 33rd and 34th verse. It talks about the kind of person you should marry should be one that is among you and one that is fit for you. Meaning that a person you are going to marry should have your faith and be your flavor. <laughs> you'll find many people that are your flavor but do they have your faith <laughs> so you'll find uh, some people in the faith but do they have your flavor and then look at what it says and if you can't find both of these present faith and flavor someone that has the personality characteristics that you're looking for and believes what you believe then god says and keep chaste until allah blesses you out of his grace with a spouse Wow. So it, you don't have to do a whole lot of looking. You have to spend more energy becoming. And whenever you become the match for the one you're looking for, by the magnetic power of the human mind, you will bring to yourself circumstances, events, and that person that is the match for you. So don't worry about it. Quarantine, build a strong relationship with God and yourself and be that match and whenever the world opens back up you'll be that magnet to attract the match that god has for you wow uh, thank you brother minister for that and uh we've gotten a couple of questions uh a brother asked when are you actually ready to start looking for a serious mate as far as money is concerned as far as job career etc 
Well, you know, I, I always try to suggest uh, to, to all of us, before you find a partner, try to find your purpose. Before you find a partner, try to find your purpose. Because if, as a man, you find a partner, she's called wife, but another title for wife is help meet. Well, if you find a partner before you find your purpose, then what happens if you find a partner and then find a purpose later and the partner does not match your purpose, how are they gonna even be able to help you meet your purpose or goal for life? So work on finding your purpose first. And I'll tell you this, that, that anybody that tells you money uh, is not important in marriage has lied to you. Anybody that says that. It is written in chapter five, verse three of the gospel of Big Mama. <laughs> Romance without finance is a nuisance. Now it takes money in order for you to make it happen. So I would uh, suggest that there's no set dollar amount, but in the course of courtship, you, you at least want to be able to think about these things that could happen. If you marry a, a woman, she may be able to work or have a business that she can contribute that if she chooses to, to the overall uh, upholding of a household. But before you get married, you have to remember that it is a strong possibility at some point that you may get your wife pregnant. And if she is pregnant and cannot work and she cannot work and does not have that income, do you have enough economic strength to be able to uphold food, clothing, shelter, reliable transportation and the basic needs of life without her having to work another day for the rest of her life? And if you don't have that kind of financial stability, work on that first and then uh, think about that mate because that could happen. And if you have that kind of strength and you have control uh, of your emotions and you are, uh, are not marrying out of neediness, and I, I'm just gonna say this real quick, a man should not marry or look for a wife because he needs somebody to cook for him, clean his house, massage him every now and then, and, and somebody to lay down with. A woman is not a maid, a chef, or a personal pleasure box. And as a woman, you should never say, I need to hurry up and get me a husband because I need somebody to pay these bills fix this stuff that's broke and protect me when I move around in the world. Sisters, a husband, a man is not a human ATM machine, a personal bodyguard, nor is he a handyman. A real husband should do all of that. But don't ever marry someone because you're looking for them to do something for you. If your goal for getting marriage, married is to receive more then you plan on giving, you're not ready yet for marriage. Because true love 
true love, when a man is really in love with a woman, her needs become his goals. And when a woman is really in love with a man, his needs become her goals. Marriage, when it's done right, becomes a, a, a relationship where two people compete with one another to see who can out honor, out respect, out love, out gift, and out do the other in making the other one happy. If you're not wow. ready to do that, then hold off just a little while till you get to that stage. Great. Um, Brother Minister, we have a question from the chat. It says, Brother Nori, any advice for those of us who are older? I, I thought I would be married with children by now. Do we trust the timing or look within to see what we can do different? different well, ways? brother, well, brother Sugar Daddy Muhammad. It is, <laughs> what did <laughs> I say? No. Well, you know, if Allah tells you that to keep chase until Allah blesses you out of his grace uh, with a spouse, the same system of self-examination, self-analysis, and self-correction, which leads to self-improvement and ultimately to self-mastery, works for the young as well as for the old. Now, I will say this. There's no such thing as a age limit or age restriction on who someone chooses to get married or chooses to marry. I remember somebody asked the minister this question once where he was asked, he said, is it true, brother minister, that a man should marry a woman that's half his age plus seven? And the minister said, I've never heard anything like that before. And then all of us at the table were shocked because I heard that five days after getting my ex. Come to find out as we began to backtrack, that statement never came from Prophet Muhammad, never came from the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. This was something that was found in the autobiography of Malcolm X as a quote that's attributed to him. So listen to the words of the minister. He said, marriage is not about age. Young man to old woman or old man to young woman. He said, marriage is about maturity. He said, I know some 18 year olds that are mature enough for marriage right now. But I also know some 48 year olds that are not. Mm. So it's about maturity. So as a brother that is an older brother don't consider it to be a harm or a foul to have an affinity for a younger woman it has nothing to do with me nothing to do with brother esquire nothing to do with cousins you two are grown grown-ups you all have to make the decision to be with each other through ritual poor sickness and health better or worse to death do your part we don't take them vows we just come there and throw rice at you <laughs> But it's y'all to have to make those vows. So if you meet somebody that's younger and they are attracted to you and don't mind that you are older and they are able to bring you uh, children into the world, then there's no harm or foul for you to have an affinity for her as long as she has an affinity uh, for you. So that's not a rule that because you're 
65 that you have to marry someone between 60 and 67. There's no rule saying that. You find one that has an affinity for you and you with them, and uh, may you be blessed with happily ever after. Thank you again, Brother Minister. Um, another question. Uh, some women are a little bit, uh, well, approaching childbearing age and maybe exiting the childbearing age, um, I guess, stage. And they would like to know, uh, should they resort to a fertility clinic to see if they can uh, become a mother because that's what they desire. What's your feelings and thoughts on that, sir? Well, I, I just would, I would just put a, a, a big caution uh, sticker and a warning label on all drugs, medicine, doctors, and hospitals of this world. Remember this, that Yakub, who is the scientist who 6,600 years ago started this eugenics process or grafting process that broke black into brown, brown into yellow, yellow into white and produced the Caucasian race. Remember that Yakub's had four laborers. It was a minister, a doctor, a nurse, and a cremator. Do you know every single person I just named? works at a hospital. So the medical industry is an extension of Yakub's army. So you have to be very careful putting yourself under the advice or the treatment of any member of Yakub's army because Yakub with his laborers had a goal to make devils kill the darker save the lighter, not to produce longevity and a future for black people or to make a world of right. So I would be very careful uh, tampering with anything of the medical field. There are uh, natural homopathic remedies and treatments that can be embarked upon that can help enhance your chance. And I'll tell you the greatest vitamin in the world that you can take is prayer to the supreme being to bless you to be able to bring birth to a child i would say if i was a woman if i was a woman since allah says in the quran that i allah created you baby in the womb of your mother and i brought you forth from your mother's womb in jeremiah it says it like this in the bible i knew you before you were in your mother's womb and i formed you in your mother's womb all I would do is ask Allah to bless me and my womb to be able to bring birth. And if he chose to hear my prayer and make that happen for me, all praises due to Allah. If he chose not to make that happen for me, then all praises due to Allah. You don't have to bring a man children to be a good wife. Multiplication is the second instruction God gave to man in Genesis. The first instruction he gave to us was to be fruitful. Mm. Fruitful is the bringing birth of not babies, but bringing birth to ideas, vision, businesses, things that can be done to improve the quality of life of our family and make the world 
a better place. So even if you can't give a man a baby, work together and pull your minds together and bring birth to a business that you can leave a legacy for your people, even if you can't bring birth to a child from your womb. Thank you for that answer. Um, and this actually sets way into, well, you've met someone and um, things seem to be going pretty well. And you're at the stage where you're seriously considering marriage. Um, what are the benefits of shacking versus courting or courting versus shacking? And shacking meaning living with someone, sharing the bills, learning who they are, and trying to get to better acquainted with them in that particular process as opposed to courting, which is more formal with a chaperones, etc. There is no benefit in shacking because anytime that, li listen to this, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan said this, the law of nature will override written law, even the laws written by his prophets. Wow. Explain that, please. In other words, thou shalt not commit fornication. That's on paper, right? Correct. But you put two people that love one another or have a strong like for one another and attraction for one another, you put them in an environment alone and the law of nature, the biological attraction will override the written law of fornication on the paper. And, and when I, what I'm saying why shack, shacking has no benefit is because sex has a blinding quality to it. It causes you to be an improper judge of character whenever you are attracted to and have benefited from the feeling that somebody can get you. And I'm gonna just say this. I had a counseling session once with a couple that seemed to be struggling and they had at the time about four children but they always were at odds with each other in and out of the house problems this and they were coming for counseling and i just asked them a question i said there's no law and nothing involved in this question however you answer it let me ask you a question did you all sleep with each other did you break the law before you got married? And both of them with shame said, yes, we did. Then I asked this question, Brother Esquire. Look, listen to this. I said, let me ask you, do you think that you still would have gotten married to one another had you not already broken the law? One of them said yes, and the other one said no. Mm. This means the brother who said no only married the sister out of guilt. They didn't make it. Wow. So it is very dangerous in order for you to, and, and I'm going to say this, sisters, when you really know your value, you'll come off that clearance rack and get back behind the glass where all the real valuable stuff is at. See, when you really know your value, then you are unwilling to be somebody's side chick or some throw around this or throw around that. When you know your value, then you will require any man 
to get access to the pleasure that God has given you for a man, that he has to get down on that one knee, make that proposal, and then you all have to say, I do, till death do you, do you part. And at that point, he has earned the right to access to you. But until then, you got to hold your position. And if a man is unwilling to be faithful to you until marriage, then he's not worthy of you. So courting is, a, is the best way uh, to go. Okay, thanks, Brother Minister. Um, looking at the income disparity between Black males and Black females, for the most part, you know, I got to give it to our sisters. They're doing their thing. They're in the halls of college. They're in the, the suites of um, these major corporations. And for the most part, they tend to have a larger income capacity at this time than black males. Um, how should a brother handle the fact that his wife or his spouse or his future spouse makes more money than he does? And is there a way to calibrate that relationship? Yes, there is. And, and, and I think that it's very important, uh, Brother Esquire, as you opened up this program, that our condition is not the result of an accident. This is by design. See, remember, the scripture says that the goal of the devil is to turn man upside down and inside out. So if the man is born to be maintainer, protector, and provider, and the woman is born to be the helpmeet of the man, comfort and consoler of the man, if I hire your woman but won't hire you, then I'm denying you access to your divine masculine mandate to be a provider for your family. So this is not an accident. They intentionally love saying no to a black man and making sure they say yes to a black woman with the goal of producing a role reversal and they've been successful at doing so. What I would suggest is that whenever a man marries a woman, if she has more income, then there should be in the courtship time, there should be a negotiation of the kind of life that they wanna live and how much they wanna spend. The optimal decision should be, let's live a life 100% in accord with my income as a man. And whatever you make is yours or you can do with it whatever you want to do. That's the optimal decision. Now, what would happen sometimes because of the upside down, inside out, role reversal, man hired to get and getting less, woman hired getting paid more, is that the brother might tell you in courtship, honey, right now this is what I make and with our income, if it's just me pitching in what I make right now, all we can afford right now is a studio above Pookie's Candy Shop and two premium bus passes. <laughs> and you might say as a sister, well, I tell you what, I ain't living above Pookie's Candy Shop and I want a car. So I'm going to pitch in. 
And then when the two pitch in and there's a teamwork uh, toward the reconciliation, long as that sister knows in her mind that you're not getting more because necessarily you are better than him, you are getting more because the enemy is using this as a social condition to turn women against men and to punk black men into being a defeated man that he never will assume his divine masculine mandate that God gave him. So it's two people that have to know that. The man got to know that the circumstances are rigged to keep him in that condition and promote his wife. And once the wife knows that too, she'll never look down on her man because he makes less. As long as the man works hard, that's what a woman is looking for. Now, if she works 10, 12 hours a day and you play video games 10, 12 hours a day, you're going to have a problem. <laughs> you black man, you got to wake up early and go to bed late and work two jobs or three jobs if you have to, to take care of the responsibility that you've assumed when it comes to family life. But she will be understanding if she understands the enemy's plan to put her up and to put her man down. Wow. Uh um, Nori, although this forum is black male and female relationships, um, at this time you have some sisters that are basically frustrated to the point where they said, you know, that 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 pool of men is not there. And all, although the black woman has been the most loyal of any woman to her black man, in, in fact, right. she marries outside of her race less than any other woman uh, on the planet with Asians actually being um, the top that marries outside of their race. Sisters want to know, according to the chat, what are your thoughts on interracial relationships? Bad news bears. No, the, <laughs> the real truth, uh, sisters and brothers, is that black and white people may be all considered a human being, quote unquote, but we are very different species. And a white woman will never understand a black man and a white man will never understand a black woman. Anytime that you pick someone that is going to be your spouse, you call them your mate or a match. If you have a size 10 red and white Jordan number five the match or the mate looks just like it and is of the same size and shape and built from the same material you can't put a size six red Reebok next to that Jordan five size 10 and call that a mate first thing you should be looking for if you're looking for a spouse is a match or a mate. They should look like you and be made of the same material that you are made of. The most honorable Elijah Muhammad, he said that the last trick of the white man would be the white woman. She's been trained, brothers, as a child. Her description she was taught by her mother of what an ideal man is, is tall, dark, and handsome. That ain't a white man, that's a, that's a black man. 
and he said, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, that the white man does not want you, sister, out of love for you. He wants you because he has in his mind a desire to get his seed into the hereafter or into the future. They know that they are a dying species. Don't let him put his seed in you, beautiful black woman, that sacred chamber. Your womb, black woman, is the laboratory of God that he has designed to use to bring birth to the solutions to all the problems of the world. Did you know that a child born of a black father and a white mother is different than a child born from a white father and a black mother? The Honorable Elijah Muhammad says, the makeup of an offspring is more the father than it is the mother. So as a black woman, you don't wanna give yourself to a Caucasian man and you bring birth to a half original child that has more of the father than you, the mother. Get you a black man. And if you're having a hard time finding a good one, as soon as the mosque open back up, report to the mosque, because Farrakhan is making strong, upright, moral, fearless, and productive black men that will honor you with the due respect that you are honored. Be patient, till Allah blesses you out of his grace with a spouse that looks like you. Uh, thanks again, Brother Minister. And now, talking about education level. Um, when you're seeking a, a, a spouse, uh, it, does that have any relevance at all? You know, are you, is it, I, I guess, is there any weight to saying, well, I'm going to look for someone who has attained X amount of uh, education, formal education, and does that play into um, the selection of your soul? Nate. Well, I would suggest that intelligence should be a part of it. The Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan said that a dumb man, an unlearned man, will never be a good husband to a woman. But don't sit there looking for a mate like you're looking to hire an employee for a corporation. Because I know plenty of educated dummies. So the, the, the last thing you want to do is get caught up into looking at somebody with a degree. Because I know plenty of degree freaks, plenty of degree drug addicts, plenty of de degree and depressed, plenty of degree liars, plenty of degree uh, disloyal, dishonorable people. And like I said, plenty of educated fools. So don't look for a white man certification. Look for a man that has intelligence, number one, on the word and the way of God. Number two, has a grasp on the empirical knowledge of this world, which deals with science and social affairs. And you want a man that actually has knowledge on what does being a husband and a father entail. So when you've got a man that's got spiritual, empirical, and family building knowledge, it matters not whether he got a degree. 
you'll be better off with a man with that kind of knowledge with no paperwork than get you a man with paperwork that doesn't have that kind of knowledge. Intelligence is not education and education mm -hmm. is not intelligence. Look for intelligence. Good, good point. Good point. Um, Brother Minister, when it comes to blended families, um, yeah. you know, because we're at a time now where uh, we have a lot of young people whose parents are not together, but their uh, mothers or fathers may be in a dating pool and want, what are your thoughts on um, blended families? Well, one of the things that must be understood by anyone that's getting involved in a blended family, you have to have in your mind the same science that you would have in the kitchen with a blender. There's certain things that don't mix well together. You're not, you're not going to put strawberries, blueberries, mm. coconut water, and some shrimp in the blender to make you a smoothie. It don't go together. So you want to make sure, number one, before you even start putting the ingredients into the blended or the blender or the blended family, that the natures, the personalities, and the interests are all the same. And if they are, then that's a strong possibility that you can blend it. Now, whenever a man marries a woman and that woman has children by another man or vice versa, the Holy Quran says it like this, that for the man that marries a woman who has children by another man, then he is to those children as their brother. Mm. Think about that. Mm. Now, of course, you know, with the ego, the man say, wait a minute, it's my house. I pay these bills. I ain't treating no child like my brother. But it doesn't mean that he's an equal in the environment, but it means just like a brother doesn't have the authority to directly approach and check their own biological brother or sister. They have to go to the mother and tell them, tell the mother and let the mother correct. As a father in a home of a blended family or a mother, when the children are there present from another relationship, instead of you being the one to give the discipline, you gotta be like big brother, big sister, and as the man, go to the mother and say, honey, it's really bothering me that, that so-and-so, he don't, I keep asking, the rule is, we set rules, the room has to be cleaned every day before he leaves. He refuses to do it. I'm asking, can you, can you have a talk with him about it? And then at a, at a certain amount of time, you'll be surprised if you try that indirect approach and let go your ego. Try the indirect approach because he's not built to see another man with his mother other than the man that he calls his father. It's not natural to him, so it's a struggle. At a certain point, if you handle that child with care, be good to him, kind to him, and be supportive, compliment him, praise him, look out for him, and then when it comes to correction, use the indirect method going through his mother. At a certain point, you'll see, you'll be out in the public and he'll be introducing you to somebody and he'll tell his mm. friends, his comrades, this is my father, 
right here. Even though you're not as biological because you've handled him with such care and wisdom, complimenting, praising, supporting, giving gifts. But when it comes to correction, using an indirect approach, he has, you've now earned his love and admiration. And when he sees you like that, you don't even have to give him advice. He'll start coming to you asking for advice. Wow. Wow. Um, and what are your thoughts on arranged marriages? There's, uh, in certain cultures, there's, you know, arranged marriages. Or even, actually, we find even in, in the U.S., there's a, a hybrid approach to arranged marriage. You know, you have two families who know each other pretty well, and their children grow up together, kind of, and uh, <laughs> both families place the young people in a situation where uh, a match may occur. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, this is one of the sciences. Uh, if you ever get a chance in the listening audience and do a little research in the Congressional Library of Washington, D.C., in 1867, two years up from slavery, quote, unquote, the Congress had a debate as to whether they were going to allow the slaves to have higher education. And the vote was, yeah, we'll let Negroes go to college, but there's three things that must never be taught to slaves or to black people. The science of finance, the science of warfare, and listen to this, the science of mating. Wow. Anytime that you are doing mating, you are carefully selecting who is going to be or what is going to be with what. Mm. Whether it's prize horses, whether it's breeding dogs, whether it's producing fighting cocks, you, you, you pick this one that's going to be with that one, and this is going to be the male, this is going to be the female. So mating does have to, to do with a science of selecting who's going to come together to bring birth to a certain breed of offspring because when a child is born, when a product of two animals are born, they share the DNA or the traits of the mother and the father. So you want to have a strong father, strong mother, if you want to have a strong child. What I would suggest in this way is that it would not be good to superimpose your will on your, ch your child and tell them the specific person that they should marry. The arrangement of marriage should not be arranging the person, but arranging proper environments for them to find the proper person. So arrange environments. Keep uh, the child, keep our brothers and sisters in environments where they are making a selection out of a certain quality of person that it coexists in a certain space with them. If somebody doesn't have the same goals, aspirations, the same vision for life, you don't want to have a righteous woman looking for a man in a club. Mm. That's not the proper arranged environment for her to find the proper person. So I think that when it comes to mate selection, we should do a good job at arranging environment, not arranging the person and let the environment produce candidates of interest and then courtship explore the candidates of interest and if the court comes up not not necessarily guilty or innocent but comes up saying i think this is the one 
you let them choose uh, who they're going to spend the rest of their life with. But don't just pick somebody because they are the son of the prince of and the ancient. Hell, at the end of the day, all of them, we are all God's children of the most high God. We all got the same father. You want to be technical. So no, arrange circumstances, arrange environment, but don't arrange the person. Okay, and um, what kind of vetting should be done prior to approaching courtship? For instance, because uh, now, especially now, I, I would suspect after this uh, pestilence or pandemic, um, there are going to be some serious mental health issues that may not necessarily be diagnosed that um, some folks, their candidate may have. Uh, how would you go about that vetting process to see if you, the person you're selecting is uh, have it all together, the elevator goes to the top floor? Well, this is all part of the exploration uh, in, in courtship. See, the base word of courtship is court. You are weighing evidence. And, you know, you and, you and I, we, you, if you're single, you would be a fool to pick a mate and not get the Carfax report. You don't hear what I said. You got to get the Carfax. And that means that you have to go and interview the previous person that they were married to. Mm. I mean, what kind of accident was it? Was it a fender bender or was this a total loss? Is this a rebuilt title, a salvage title? You know, it, hell, was the car lemon from the beginning? I don't know. Mm. But you want to know what the person did or what the last person they were with says about them. Not that you can say, aha, I knew it. No, you want to investigate because there's a strong possibility that the person has actually grown from that last relationship. And you want to be listening to and observing them to see if you can see any of those same signs that they are today what they were yesterday that caused their collision, I mean, caused their breakup <laughs> in the relationship the last time. Unless you like getting in accidents and you want to be thrown out and get hit in the head with the airbag and have your arm broke, it's up to you. But get the Carfax uh, report. The vetting uh, process is done during the courtship. That's why whenever someone says that they're interested in a person, mm. it is not good for the brothers, the sisters, the friends, or the family to start seeing into the future and talking to them like they already know that they're getting ready to be married. When two people are courting, that is not a talk beer moment. <laughs> There's not no time to say Allah Akbar. No, when two people are engaged, that still ain't a talk beer moment. It's not until you hear you may kiss your bride that you should start throwing your fists in the air screaming God is the greatest. Prior to that, there's no celebration. It's all investigation. And while you're investigating, uh, as long as you can remain free from engaging in sexual intercourse with one another, you'll find that you will have a clear perception and you'll be judging on the mental and the spiritual and emotional traits, not on physical response. And if you do that, you know, you'll vet and you'll figure it out. 
And there's no harm or foul if you come to the end of the courtship and say that we decided not to get married. This is not a, a moment of shame for the male or the female. Mm. It just means that they were interviewing each other and, and it doesn't mean that they're not good people. They just may have discovered that they're not good for each other. But he may be good for another person and she may be good for another brother, but they weren't good for each other. We, we, don't, we don't look down uh, on that. So let the courtship be the vetting uh, and figure it out. Then get your Carfax report. See wow. how many accidents has this thing been in? You got any <laughs> flood damage? Any flood damage? <laughs> I got it. Uh, Brother Minister, we're towards the end of the program, and I, I want to recognize some sponsors, but the, uh, we, we, I believe we're going to end on this. Uh, polygamy. Don't, don't get started yet. Um, some brothers, you know, feel, hey, the way the statistics are right now, um, uh, you know, there's not enough of me to go around. Uh, you know, there's, uh, there, there's more of me that needs to go around in order to satisfy those statistics to bring them to some sort of semblance of uh, equality. Before we go uh, into the last question of uh, polit polygamy and what that means for black men in America, as opposed to polygamy that, uh, that is institutional in other cultures, uh, I, I need to go to my sponsors and just recognize them. I'm asking the viewing and listening audience to just please hold on for a quick second. Um, we wanna thank 231 Design and Marketing if you see our logo, it was done by 231 Design and Marketing. They can handle all of your branding needs. Um, Michael A. Clark, he's right here in Queens, New York. Contact him if necessary for any of your needs when it comes to marketing. The next one we have as our sponsor, Josh, we could just run it through. Uh, we have Blissful Journey. To all of the uh, sisters that want to make sure they look right for their courting process, uh, you have to go to Blissful Journey and pick up some of their beautifying uh, products. Blissful Journey, and uh, it, it's right here. Please see her, and we want to thank Gertie Isaacs for doing such a wonderful job. Young sister just started her own business, and she's doing a great thing in helping all uh, women. I know my wife is... Uh, uh, she's a client of hers and she, I have all this all over the house and, and trust me, it works. <laughs> Next up, Josh. Um, last week we had on our program a former correction officer, Lorenzo Steele, who took us into the prison uh, industrial complex where he talked about some of the most atrocious um, conditions in Rikers Island while he worked there. He's a visual artist and while he was there, God blessed him to have a camera because he's also a photographer and he has images in this book that I think needs to be shared with a lot of our young people. Next one, Josh. We're almost there. On August 27th, the 10th annual marriage retreat is going to be held virtually and you could register via www.themarriagekeepers.com and whether you've been married 10 years, five years, 15 years, I'm going on year 22. I know the information that's going to be provided here is going to be vital in terms of helping us to enhance our marriages, our relationships, and our families. So please uh, go to themarriagekeepers.com and register for the marriage retreat. Some dynamic speakers will be there and you'll see it on the fly. Next one, Josh. 
And I think that's the plot. Uh, oh, before I forget, uh, we have books by our very own Brother Nuri. Before you say I do, and after you say I do, these books are tremendous. Tremendous. And in fact, Josh, you can put me back on the screen, please. You have to get yourself a copy. Um, I have my copy after you say I do, but I had the before you say I do, and I wouldn't call it a mistake, but actually it wasn't a mistake. It was uh, divinely inspired. I gave my before you say I do book to one of my wonderful friends, uh, a young lady who will remain nameless, and she has the book, but not only did she have the book, she invited me and my wife to her wedding last, last uh, December. Uh, it was a destination wedding in Mexico. And she read the book and said, uh, Brother Jacques, this assisted me in helping me to make my decision and my husband's decision to get married. And she still has my book. And I, I see you on the chat room. I need my book back, all right? Because it's a reference book, but things get a little rough once in a while. You know, it's good to go through these books and get some best practices and some teaching aids. And uh, Brother Minister Nori's book is um, available on Amazon. And I believe it's also available on other platforms. Correct, Brother Minister? Uh, NuriMohammed.com. NuriMohammed.com. Go get the book. You, uh, do yourself a, a service, whether you're married or not. Tremendous book. Before you say I do, I want that book back. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, <laughs> Brother Minister, thank you again. And... I would like you to close out on, on this or anything else that you'd like to close out on. But I, before this podcast, I received a couple of messages where you asked the real tough questions. And I said, you know, yeah, of course. What, but I wanted to know what are some of the real tough questions? They said, well, um, dealing with the fertility uh, facilities. And, and another question I would like you to ask is dealing with polygamy. What, what is the stance on polygamy? I know your religion uh, allows, I, I said, hold on one second. Before we go any further, I'm going to pose that question and make it uh, one of those questions that uh, hopefully Minister Nori could delve into and expound on. So um, given the statistics, you well, have- it's, it's bad. I mean, our stats are bad. You know, right now there are more black males born than there are black females. But by the time the two reach the age 18, black females, outnumbering black males seven to one when you calculate consider homicide suicide incarceration and drug addiction there is seven black women for every one black man now i'm going to say this from the minister listen to these words to the brothers and the sisters the honorable minister louis falcon said this a good man does not want more than one wife. Mm. A good man does not want more than one wife. This tells us as men that when we began to entertain the thought of polygamy or began to try to put on a commercial or campaign to the one we're with to engage and being with more than one wife, that is a sign that our goodness as a man is beginning to deteriorate. Wow. So a good man does not want more 
than one white. That's why when you look through the scriptures of the Bible, there's over 40 verifiable cases of polygamy. And out of 40 verifiable cases, over 30 of them were all attached to messengers and prophets. And the other ones that were not normally ended in a very bad way. Messengers of God have always been given this instruction from God because when God blesses a messenger, not only does he bless the messenger, but he also blesses his seed. And so his seed becomes that which has within it inherited preparation to do great and do big things for God in his way. So they are forced into it, but none of them even wanted it. All the messengers had to be forced into this kind of lifestyle. So Allah tells us in the Holy Quran, even at a time when the mandate was given in prophecy of Quran, Muhammad was told to tell the men that you could have more than one wife, up to three or four. Now keep in mind, this is during a time of war where the men are being murdered wholesale and decimated. I'm, I'm saying soldiers were dying, businessmen were dying, the farmers were dying, and even the scholars were dying, and very few men were available. So Allah gave this as a conditional instruction or suggestion, and the purpose of polygamy then was to give a lesser evil to keep women from participating in a greater evil, which could have been prostitution. So Allah tells us right after that, it says, but one is better for you if your butt knew. I mean, if you but knew. <laughs> Got it. Now, if a Muslim follows the best of that which has been revealed and one is best for you, then if we're supposed to follow what is best, then we should be trying to pick the best. And the best is to have one woman. Our problem is, is that in our mind, we don't think that the person that we call our wife that we are with has everything that she's supposed to have in her for you. Well, I got a, I got a secret I want to tell you. The Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan said to the sisters and the brothers, he said, sisters, you did not marry the man of your dreams. Brothers, you did not marry the woman of your dreams. The woman of your dreams is inside the woman that you married. Get to mining her out. Mm. Get to mining him out, sisters. So anything you see in any man or any woman is also present in yours. Question is, do you have the skill set do you have enough light on your helmet, knowledge in your head to be able to get out the best that is found in the woman that you're with or the man that you're with? So a good man does not want more than one wife. And if you are throwing that around in your mind or campaigning with the one you're with to accept it, know that you are in deviation on the inside and you are going from being a good man into potentially being a bad man. Stay in the good category, brothers.
and let's work on the conditions that are causing the males to be so small in number in comparison to the females. If we stop killing one another, if we stop selling dope, using dope, if we stay out of prison, and if men are looking for women instead of looking for men, let's go after them problems and we'll find that it will be plenty of men available for plenty of our women and we wouldn't have to have a discussion because the conditions will be resolved. Be a good man and get the best and the most and all you're looking for out of the one you with. Wow. Brother Minister, I want to just thank you so very much for taking the time out to join the All Men Are Not Created Equal podcast. This was a tremendous discussion and I'm receiving messages now. I have about 30 questions that I haven't asked. So I'm going to ask you to commit to doing a part two sometime in the near future because there's a lot that we need to discuss when it comes to black male and female relationships. Uh, I'm asking all the viewing uh, audience as well as the listening audience, please uh, uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's in the chat line here. I'm going to also put it uh, on my YouTube page, but go to Brother Esquire. And in fact, there may be two Brother Esquires on YouTube. The one that looks like me is the one you need to subscribe to. But uh, again, thank you so much for joining us. And we're going to end with a clip uh, uh, that you, uh, a video clip, uh, Brother Minister, where you spoke on relationships. And we just want to, again, thank you so very much for spending the thank time you, to enrich us on, on this Sunday. And to the viewing audience, if you would like to have Minister Nori visit your school, visit your church, visit your sorority or fraternity, go to his website, norimohammed.com, and get in contact with him because the information he shared here really should be shared throughout our community. Um, you, you're not going to get this information on, on the college steps. You, you won't get it, uh, unfortunately, in the schools, systems, and, and you may get some of the information uh, in, in a twisted way from your friends and, and family members, but uh, Minister Nori will be available to um, present to any of the groups that you have. Go to norimohammed.com and uh, get in contact with our good brother. Again, Minister Nori, thank you so much. Please do not forget to subscribe. Thank you, sir. Tremendous. Please do not forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, if you want to hear more of this, stay in contact with our podcast because we'll be uh, hosting a whole host of issues uh, via our podcast on the YouTube channel. We'll get in contact with you. And uh, again, thank you, family, for indulging us. And God bless you. And uh, thank you, God, for this mighty uh, platform that he's given us to communicate with you. All men are not created equal podcasts. Thank you so much. Peace. Somebody to look up to.